Thanks, Obed and Melly. Good morning, church. Like Pastor Scott said, my name is Tyler Stowell, part of the Piscataway CCG. Scott, I'm glad you had that passage right, because that's what I had prepared. So uh, if you'd have been wrong, we'd have been going in a totally opposite direction. But here's what I want to do to start us off. I want everybody to take three deep breaths. So sit up as straight as you can, as you're able. And I just want you to take three deeper. This isn't like Scott's little leak. Okay, let's move around. Like we're actually going to do this here. I want you to take three big, deep breaths. And on the last one, and if you have to do four, then do this. I want you to try to, when you exhale, I want you to try to drop your shoulders as low as you can. I have a, a friend that, uh, a dear brother from uh, Abundant Life Family Worship Church in uh, in New Brunswick, that every time we talk, he always often leads off with, says, Ty, drop your shoulders. Just drop. And every time he says that, like I can feel about two inches come off of my, my shoulders from the weight of all of the things that I'm carrying. In fact, a lot of times we look a lot like this guy. Let me throw this up here. And a I, I, little bit more participation here. Somebody tell me. Somebody tell me, I'm hoping you can see it because I'm not looking at it. Who is, who is, what is this a, uh, a picture of here? Anybody know? Throw it in the, throw it in the chat. There is a picture up there, right? There is not. Oh, bummer. Okay. Let's see here. Let me try it this way. Okay, here we go. This should work. Now can you see that? All right, who is this? What, what is this a, a picture of here? Anybody know? <clears throat> yes, Atlas. Bonus points to the McLean. Sorry, Christy, you were close. Um, great way to start off 2021 there. This is Atlas at the uh, Rockefeller Center in New York City. Greek. He's a Greek god, right? Um, I should have researched that. This is Atlas. And what is it, what is it depicting that he's holding there on his shoulders? Another shot for some bonus points here. Come on, Ani. There you go. The world. The world. He's a Greek Titan. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Molly. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? I am not. Uh, he's carrying the world on his back. And this is, I think, just a perfect picture of life right now. So many of us carry the weight of the world on our back. Uh, some of it by choice, some of it not by our own choice. It's just heaped on us for a variety of reasons. And I'm often reminded by my friend that I need to take a deep breath and drop my shoulders a little bit. And I think this is what uh, James has for us here this morning as we look at this passage. When he leads off here with come now, this, this language is, uh, is kind of a, it's kind of an ancient, you got to be kidding me, guys. That's kind of what he's saying here when he addresses these believers here through this letter. Um, there's a couple of different places where discrepancy is probably not the right word, but where there's some wondering over, is he talking to believers here? Is he not? And generally, he's talking to believers, but there's a couple spots in this, in his letter here where he might be be confronting non-believers. This one is, the, the idea is here that he is talking to people in the church, that he is saying, church fam, you've got to be kidding me here 
with what you're doing. And so he challenges our arrogance when it comes to planning and looking ahead to the future. And then he invites us into a better way. And so I want us to consider what are the burdens that, that you're carrying on your shoulders this morning? And what would it look like to lay it down? I love what Jalen said last week when he said, we are not God, but it's exhausting when we try to be. And I don't know about you, but I have felt like Atlas there, I don't, certainly don't look like him in his chiseledness, but I have felt the exhausting weight of trying to be God. And so let's take a look at this text here. Um, it's interesting that when he says today or tomorrow, verse 13, we'll go into such and such a town, spend a year, make a profit, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Profit and planning is not the issue. James is not down on profit and planning. The issue is that we think we know the future. The issue is we think we know what tomorrow will bring. We think we know what 2020 will bring. I saw a, a kind of a lighthearted take at the reality that there, there, 2021 is not just a magic switch that's going to flip and all of a sudden 2020 is over. I saw a, a, a meme this week. Many of you probably saw it where there was a picture of a guy looking at, at 11.59 on 12.31.20 and then it flips to midnight and instead of it being 2021, all of a sudden it's 13.1.2020 as if to say 2020 is just going to keep going into the 13th month. And that's kind of a lighthearted look, but yeah, the reality is there is just no flip of a switch as much as we might want it to be that way. And again, I know some of the burdens that some of you are carrying are incredibly, incredibly weighty and difficult, deep loss deep tragedy that has happened uh, for some people just in the last week, let alone the last 10, 11 months. And yet James is getting at, we, we do not know the future and we don't know what God is doing. And I don't say that just in a way to kind of minimize any pain that, that you are experiencing. Grief and loss, especially of the deeper kind, is a, a great asterisk on all things. And yet again, James is challenging us here. There's a, a an analogy that comes to mind that I've heard in a couple different places. I think the first place I saw it was in a book by Peter Scazzaro, who I'm a big fan of. We've certainly looked at some of his content for discipleship in those courses that Scott mentioned. And he, he tells a, he didn't come up with it. He borrowed it from somewhere else. But he tells a story of, uh, of a, a family in, in rural China whose horse all of a sudden just decides to run away. And all the neighbors are, they were farming family and horse was, an important asset for what they had to do. And family was devastated. The neighbors were devastated. Oh, I'm so sorry, right? And the, the patriarch of the family says, well, what's to say this isn't a blessing? Months later, the horse comes back and brings a, a mare with him. And so now they got two horses and they're both just in, incredibly beautiful horses and everybody's all excited. And oh my goodness, what a, what a blessing this is. This is incredible. And the, the, the father says, well, who's to say this isn't a curse of some sort? Sure enough, just a couple months later, his son is riding around on the new horse and falls off and breaks his leg. And everybody is, oh my goodness, what a tragedy. This is awful. The father says, well, what's to say this isn't a blessing? Not too long after that, there's an attack. Uh, there's an invasion that happens and every able-bodied male is drafted into the war, except for this elderly father and his son who's still recovering from a leg. And they get to end up being together to care for one another. And the whole point is we don't know the dots that God is connecting behind the scenes. We don't even know what tomorrow will bring, let alone the next month, year, and beyond. James says our life is a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It makes me think of the coffee that I drink every morning and the steam that rises from that and how quickly 
it vanishes. That is what our life is. So again, planning is not the issue. It's that we think we know the future and we don't submit those plans to the Lord. Verses 15 and 16. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You know, when I asked Scott, when he, um, back in September, I think, uh, maybe August, September, when he was kind of filling out the the preaching cycle here, and he had asked if if I wanted to do today, I remember him, you know, them saying, hey, we're going to be on Zoom through 2020. And so I was wondering, hey, in January 2021, like, is this going to be at the 27? Or I, I text him and said, is this going to be on Zoom? And he just replied, if the Lord wills. Superb joke. It actually went right over my head. Um, but it, here we are, if the Lord has willed. And so here we are on Zoom. And so again, the planning wasn't a problem. It's that we think we own our lives, this arrogance that James is talking about. We think that we are in charge, that we're the ones managing and owning our lives. And um, I want to I wanna show you something else here. Let's see if I can do it better than last time. Um, there's a great, great visual here. It's still not up there, is it? Let me go this route here. All right. So I want to put before us the, uh, we've seen this graphic before, this kind of pie chart of our discipleship from um, from our discipleship courses. This should look familiar to, to most of us. And the idea here is that the, the whole circle represents who we've been created to be, how, how we're wired, that we are uh, not just spiritual beings or not just physical beings, but that we are also relational, emotional, social, intellectual. We, we are these different parts that God has created inside of us that make up who we are. And uh, this, is, this is seen throughout Scripture. Uh, it's seen throughout our daily lives. If you've ever been faced with a decision or something to do and you've said, well, part of me wants to do this and part of me thinks that and part of me feels this way, like, like that's true. There are parts of us that kind of make up who we are. Paul even gets at this in Romans 7 where he, he's wrestling back and forth. I want to do this, but the sin in me wants to do this. Like That's all a piece of it. And so I want us to consider as you look towards 2021 um, and even maybe starting as you look back at 2020, how are you doing in each of these areas in your life? And I want to, I want to reframe this in a different way. I actually got this from my wife. First time I saw her do an illustration like this is to consider these parts of your life as a house and each one of these areas as, as an, a room in your life and to consider it a little something like this. Now you've got to work with me on some of the, uh, the rooms and the, the designations here. This is actually the floor plan of, of uh, the first apartment that Allison and I lived in when we first got married 10 years ago, um, this little apartment in, uh, in Florida. And so what I've done is I've taken those areas and put them into a, a floor plan here representing different rooms in your life. And so uh, to run through a quick spiritual on the porch, like I used to love spending time with the Lord out on the porch, relational in the living room, that kind of makes sense. Um, social in the dining room, you sit down with people, right, and have a meal. Uh, the next couple, you just, again, I just had to make it fit. So intellectual in the kitchen, there's not really a rhyme or reason for that. Um, emotional in the bathroom, maybe you have a good cry in the bathtub or the shower, nothing wrong with that. Um, I added one there in the in the closet in terms of shame, and then physical in the bedroom representing sexuality, body image, mental health, um, 
So here's this idea of this, this floor plan of our, of our lives in these different rooms. And again, I added one in terms of shame and the closet representing. You see some of just some brief examples there, certainly not exhaustive, but the idea of our wounds and secrets. And those wounds and secrets in and of themselves, like those aren't things to be ashamed of. Oftentimes what we do though is we take those wounds, we take those secrets, we put them in the closet and cover them over with shame because we don't think that, we don't want to let anybody in there to know those things. And, and the problem is these rooms, though they're kind of separated out, they all, they're all interconnected. They all impact each other. And if something's going wrong in one room, it's going to spill out and affect the other rooms. If there's a crack in the foundation, it's not just going to affect one room. It's going to affect the whole, the whole place. And so I want you to just take 20 seconds and scan over this and just real quick inventory looking back over 2020. How are you doing in these areas? Which one seems to kind of jump out as maybe a place where you need some, some healing or some growth? I'm going to give you more time at the end to, to think through this further, um, but just to prime the pump there a little bit, there's a couple other questions that I think are worth asking here as we take a look at this. Because again, planning and evaluating and, and wondering how God might want to meet us in the coming year, those are not bad things. The issue is our arrogance and our ownership of our lives. And so the other th couple of other questions to consider as you look at the floor plan of your life is who has access to each of these rooms, who manages each room, and who owns each room. <laughs> who has access to each room. This can be an uncomfortable thing to consider maybe letting, letting anybody into any of these rooms, let alone allowing God access into some of these places. These, there, there might be some rooms in, in your house that you just have had cornered off that is yours and, and nobody goes in there. And there's wisdom in, in not allowing just anybody and everybody into every room in your house. That's a wise thing. Um, you don't need to let everybody into your house. And even those that you give access into your house, you don't need to let them have access into every room in your house. Right? There are some people that they, don't, they belong in the kitchen because they can throw down and cook some really, really good food. There are other people that the only reason they need to go in the kitchen is to grab a fork. And that is it. You don't let anybody into, into the kitchen. I hope that you don't let just anybody into the bedroom, right? For, for those that are married, there's one that gets invited into that place, right? The, the, so we don't let just anybody have access. Uh, it can be uncomfortable, though, to let someone come in and, and rearrange some things, right? Maybe, maybe you're the, the lesser organized person uh, of your, your roommates or in your marriage or uh, in your family, right? And so when when, or your significant other, right? If you're dating somebody and they come over, maybe they want to clean things up. And you're like, no, that, I, don't, I don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable to me, right? Maybe your, your mom comes to visit and is always trying to straighten up. Maybe you are the mom that comes visits and, and straightens up. Thank you for making my illustration work. Uh, it can be uncomfortable to let someone come in and clean things up. And yet sometimes we need that. Sometimes our, 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 our house is messy. I remember when Alice and I were dating and I was living in an apartment with some dudes, my room was a total mess and she suggested that I clean it up. And I got to relearn what color carpet I had because there were papers all over the place, right? It was messy. I needed someone to come and help me. Some people are dirty though. My, my, one of my roommates, this guy, 
still owes me 150 bucks. Not that I'm holding a grudge or anything, um, but he would he would cook spaghetti and pasta and uh, get the food out of the pots and go sit down and eat it at the table. And then he would just go and literally would leave it there until it started growing mold in the pots. Like he was dirty. And then one of us would have to deal with it and, and clean it up. But some people, you've got some, some broken down walls in your house. And some of that has been your own doing. And for some of you, it's been completely out of your control, whether it's been just circumstantial, whether it's been somebody else coming in your house. There's some brokenness there. And you need a, a great renovator to come in. The good news is that Jesus is a good renovator. But renovations are expensive. They take time. They're painful. They're uncomfortable. And like I said, when, when one room is falling apart, it often impacts the other room. And so we need someone to come in sometimes and fix things. Jesus is a great manager of these things, and he knows what he's doing. His plans are better than ours because he is in control and he knows what he's doing. My plans, I would have never planned eight years ago to move to New Jersey. Never in my wildest dreams or nightmares would I have chosen that. And I am so glad that God is a better planner than I am, that he sent us here, because I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But God doesn't just want to manage and be the, the foreman on the property fixing things. He wants to own each and every room of our, house, of our house, each and every room and every area of our lives. He wants to own it. And the reason that we ought to give him ownership is because we can trust him. Why? Because of what he did on the cross, because of how he gave his very life so that he could come into our homes and transform us from the inside out. He is not afraid to step into any room, including that closet, and begin to rebuild and put things back together. Now, this would seem like a, a great place to kind of pause and say amen and let's, and let's go. Um, except then James throws in verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do, and doesn't do it for him, it is sin. And I just, I've read this a hundred times and it's like, James, I don't like, bro, what are you doing? This just doesn't seem to make any, this, this verse just seems kind of out of nowhere in this passage. And yet the more I, I read and looked at it and the more I read some commentaries and studied, I think it fits perfectly. Because again, planning is not the issue. The issue is our arrogance. The issue is thinking we know the future. The issue is ownership. The issue is understanding the right thing and sitting long enough with God to determine what is the right thing. I love a, a tweet that I saw from, uh, from Beth Moore uh, sometime in the last week or so. She said this, I'm not much of a New Year's resolution person, but I thoroughly believe in planning and preparing to live in pursuit of God and Christ-likeness, in pursuit of love, faith, and joy in a coming year. Our natural default is to sow to the flesh and we won't sow to the Spirit by accident. We have no idea what 2021 holds, so one recommendation I'd make is to seek God's leadership and how he'd have you map out a plan for your spiritual disciplines. He does know what 2021 holds for you. I love that idea that we do need to be intentional. We need to take time to plan. And then we have to submit those plans to the Lord and say, okay, God, you're, you're ultimately in charge, but there's nothing wrong with sitting down and considering what, my God, what might God have for me. There's a book uh, that has been super helpful for me in time management and planning and organizing my schedule. It's called What's Best Next by Matt Perman. What's Best Next? I meant to bring it down here, but I think it's upstairs. Um, great book, really long, 
Honestly, I don't know if I could recommend the book to you as I could so much the 500 word summary that he had at the end. I remember texting with Scott about this a couple years ago when I read it and we were both kind of like, yeah, he could have just settled with that 500 word summary. But here's the two things that I walked away with from that book. One is to come up with a life mission statement, a life mission statement. And this was so helpful for me to kind of to spend time with the Lord and to think, all right, God, what is it that you've created me to do? Certainly there's some generalizations uh, of being in God's family for all of us that would, would kind of align or, or give direction to such a life mission statement. But then we're all, we're all created uniquely at the same time. We're all different parts of the body. And so there were some things specifically that God had for me in that. And from that life mission statement, everything else in my calendar and my schedule flowed out of that. And it was a really helpful anchor to keep coming back to. The second thing that he said in this book was to plan your week every week. Plan your week every single week. Plan out how you're going to spend your time. And this was incredibly helpful for me, especially in 2020, because working from home, there were so many more options of what to do with my time at every, any given moment at home. Literally all day, I had like a hundred different things that I could do, especially because the nature of my work in ministry, literally sometimes there's, I'm working at six o'clock in the morning all the way until midnight. Anywhere in there, not the whole the whole time frame, but like any hour of the day, I could be doing something for work. And any hour of the day, I could say, well, I could put that off and do that later. And I'm going to do X right now. And so taking the time to sit down and try to plan out blocks of time in my week was so helpful in 2020. And so those would be two just practical things that I would submit to you. Because again, our default is to drift along selfishly. If we don't sit down with God and say, okay, God, what is the right thing you have for me to do? Then I'm going to fail to do it. And James here says that for, for them, for me, it is sin. And so we need to intentionally come up with, all right, God, what is it you have for me? A lot of times we talk about this with the phrase, a rule of life. A rule of life. This is something we've talked about in our discipleship courses. To sit down and present before God those different areas of our lives and say, okay, God, what is it you have for me? And as we head into 2021, I would encourage all of us to take time to look at uh, a rule of life for your life. And the, the issue, the, the idea is not um, rules in a, in a religious or uh, works-based kind of thing um, or a rote kind of thing, but it's coming up with a structure so that I tell, under God's authority, I tell my time how it's going to be spent. And I come up with some new normals and rhythms in my life so that I can stay anchored in the love of God. Now, there's some new normals that I picked up on in 2020 that I'm kind of hoping to shed a couple of them, for instance, are slight panic. Whenever I'm watching a movie or a TV show uh, with characters without masks, there's kind of like, oh, wait, that's, oh, that was filmed years ago and it's a movie anyways. Um, or, or looking at uh, a recorded video, like last week when Jalen was preaching and I was watching that, there was at least once where I reached for the computer to, to do a Zoom thumbs up and then remembered, oh, this is pre-recorded. There isn't that function here. He wouldn't see it anyways. Those are some new normals I'm hoping to shed from 2020. Um, some maybe old normals that I'm hoping to pick back up would be getting a haircut. That would be a good thing um, at, to name at least one. But there's different rhythms that we might need to shed and some new ones we might need to pick up as we head into 2020. But that's not going to happen by accident. We have to abide in Jesus and sit with him to know what is the for you so that we don't land with the for you it is sin. Right? And so two questions that I would encourage us to consider here as you even look at the floor plan of your life would be where do I need to heal and where is it that I need to grow? 
where do I need to heal and where is it that I need to grow? And I'm going to give you some time at the end to come back to that. But just to put it in front of you for a moment, where do I need to heal and where do I need to grow? We will take some time at the end in just a few minutes here to consider those questions. But as I was getting ready and preparing to, to share my heart this morning and share what the Lord had for us, uh, he paused me and said, hey, bro, you need to take some time to think about these things. And so I walked through each of these areas and, and thought about, well, where do I need to grow? Where do I need to heal? And there were some things that weren't necessarily surprises, some things I kind of felt the Lord putting his finger on over the last few weeks. And then there, were, there was one or two that was like, wow, I did not see that. I'm still owning that. I'm still trying to take control and be in charge of that area of my life. There were some ways, some areas I saw I need to heal in, some ways I certainly want to grow. And there were some areas of surrender that I realized I was still trying to take charge of. And so, again, we'll take a few minutes and just a moment to look at that. But here's where I want to close this out. Because as we consider 2020 and we consider this passage and we consider 2021, James here is, again, challenging our arrogance to lay down that weight that's on our shoulders. And yet he is also inviting us to lay it down. It is a challenge to our arrogance, but it is an invitation to find rest in our Savior. In Matthew 11, 28 through 30, familiar passage for many of us. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is actually the only place in all of Scripture where Jesus speaks of the disposition of his heart. All, all throughout, he talks about his kingdom, and he talks about his work, and he talks about what he's doing, but there's one place where he talks about his heart. His natural posture is gentle and lowly. And while he is still king of kings and lord of lords and mighty God, he, is, he comes in a form of a gentle and lowly savior whose yoke is easy, whose burden is light. What I find fascinating about that Atlas statue is, and I didn't come up with this either, but uh, literally right across the street from that, in fact, where, where Atlas is even facing, is St. Patrick's Cathedral, a huge uh, Catholic church there in New York City in, in Manhattan. And the inside of it is just absolutely beautiful, absolutely stunning. And inside, there's another statue of a young, uh, depicting a young, the boy Jesus, who has not just the world, but in fact the entire universe in his hand. And I love the, the juxtaposition here of these two images. That on, on one side of the street, you've got this Greek titan, thank you Molly, carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. And across the street, you've got a little boy, a toddler, who is holding the universe in the palm of his hand. And we strain to carry that weight of the world on our shoulders when Jesus can carry the weight of everything in the palm of his hand. We, we can drop our shoulders, friends, because of what he did for us. Because he put the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders in the form of a cross and carried it up a hill 2,000 years ago. He allowed himself to be nailed to it and was crucified and crushed under it for our sake. He went all the way into the most shameful parts of who we are to transform us from the inside out. We simply need to let him do his job 
and find out how we can join with him. He is a better planner because he is in control. He's always been in control all throughout 2020. And sometimes that is a maddening reality. It's a bewildering reality. In some ways, it's a crushing reality, especially when we go through grief and loss like we have over the last year. But he is still in control into 2021, and and he desires for us to know what is the right thing to do so that we will do his will. We don't have to carry the burden of trying to figure out what tomorrow will bring because we know the one who already knows that. We simply get to turn over the keys of our house to him and rest under his burden, which is easy and light. Let me pray for us. Lord, thanks for this challenge from James, Lord, to our arrogance, to my arrogance, to try to plan. Lord, and sometimes this is really, really hard to trust you with, Lord, um, to be faced with uh, how not in control we are. And yet you are the one who very easily is in control of all things. God, and so would that reality bring rest to our souls, Lord? Will we Will we choose to seek you to plan, to look at what you would have for us and then surrender those things to you, Lord, so surrender ownership to you? God, so I pray for each of us now that you would would pinpoint areas of our lives where you you would say we need to heal, you would say we need to grow, and, and show us what you have for us, Lord, in 2021. And give us the grace we need to walk by faith, moment by moment, Lord, together for the good, for your glory and the good of the city, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we're going to do uh, here for just a few minutes um, is I want to give you some time to reflect on these things. Like I mentioned, um, I do want to mention one other resource that can be so, so helpful. Um, there's a, uh, an author and teacher named Jenny Allen who is just a, a, has produced a phenomenal resource um, at her website called the Life Inventory Guide. I'm going to just throw her, her name in the uh, chat here, JennyAllen.com. Uh, she's got this resource called the Life Inventory Guide, which, which really walks through kind of a rule of life type of thing um, and walks through many of those areas that, that we looked at this morning in the, the pie chart or the floor plan, whatever you want to look at. Uh, this is something that Allison and I have done the last few years is sit down and just kind of walk through looking back over the year before and looking ahead to the year in front of us. So it's a much more detailed kind of resource, but it's a phenomenal one. Allison and I actually plan on doing that tonight to sit down and, and look at that. So I would highly recommend that to you. Um, to take a look at her website and find that. But for right now, we're just going to take uh, about five minutes and I'll put that, that uh, floor plan thing back up for you to take a look at. And just to answer the two questions of where do you need to grow and where do you need to heal? Um, as you consider your life looking ahead to 2021. So let me put that back up here. And um, There's those questions. Again, just take about five minutes or so uh, sitting before the Lord to uh, consider those questions, whatever might come about. And then Rachel is going to, after that, Rachel's going to take us away and wrap things up and then send us off into um, breakout rooms for some prayer time. Could be an opportunity to, to get some prayer for healing or for growth or to process maybe some things that the Lord has laid on your heart here. Um, so take a few minutes to do that and then we'll turn it back over to Rachel.